Uh, Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 36. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no, dark, no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Good to see everybody this morning. We are in Luke 11 and thinking together uh, again about Jesus and his teaching. And he started with Luke 11. He starts to teach about prayer and then he transitions to demons and doubt and deceivers, as we talked about last week, of casting out a demon. Um, And now this week, Jesus is pointing back to the Old Testament to say, that stuff about Jonah, the stuff about the Queen of Sheba, that's me. Also, the light is about me. So Jesus is making some pretty bold claims here, but they're struggling to get it. Um, as Ari has been illustrated for us well this morning, um, sometimes we miss it, and they're really missing it. They're missing Jesus I was thinking about this, that uh, missing something. When I was a kid, I would go to church and uh, grew up in a pretty traditional Baptist church. And we would sing the song, How Great Thou Art. But I thought we were saying, How Great Thou Aren't. And I remember singing this song as a kid thinking, Why don't we sing this again? How Great Thou Aren't. And we would say it loudly, and finally, I figured it out. But I was really missing something. I had a friend in high school that told me that he went to church, and I knew the church that he attended. And he made this statement to me. He said, I feel like everybody in the church is getting something, and I'm not. Like they're on to something that just doesn't make any sense to me. We can miss it. We can miss Jesus. We can miss his wisdom. We can miss the hope of the resurrection. We can miss his purpose for us to be light to others. It's really easy to miss Jesus we might ask the question, well, why would we miss him? What is it about us? Jesus says it very clearly here in verse 29, that this generation is an evil 
generation. Even Matthew 12 tells us an evil and adulterous generation. And what are we after? Seeking a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus is very clearly saying here that people who are looking for a sign and missing him are evil. And there's something wrong with our hearts when we want what Jesus has, but we don't want Jesus. We want him to do what we want him to do, but we don't want him. And as Alan said earlier too, we don't want to bow before him and say he's the Lord because that means that we have to obey and do certain things. And so what I hope you'll see in this passage is it's easy to miss Jesus but we can also really get him. And we can get the hope of the resurrection. We can get the truth of his wisdom. And we can be representatives of light to other people in the darkness. So, three things to point out from the passage. Don't miss Jesus. First of all, Jesus is the resurrection. Secondly, Jesus is the true wisdom. And then thirdly, Jesus is the light of the world. Look back with me here at verse 29 as we think about Jesus is the resurrection. Luke writes, when the crowds were increasing. So you can imagine Jesus is teaching and then more people are coming in. And more people are coming in. And in another translation says they start to press in. But they're there to hear. They want to know what Jesus is teaching about. But what they're asking for is a sign. And possibly some of them are coming and they've come a long way and they're sitting there listening to Jesus talk and then they're thinking, okay, show us one of those miracles. Didn't you just heal a guy? Didn't you, haven't you done some really neat stuff? Can't you do that again? So we also can believe And you would think Jesus would say, well, sure. Thanks for coming. What kind of trick do you want me to do so that you'll believe? But he does not. In fact, Jesus says, you don't need a sign. You need the resurrection. You you don't need me to do another miracle. I've done plenty of them. That's not what's going to cause you to truly believe What you need is the resurrection, and Jesus then gives reference back to the prophet Jonah. You know the story of Jonah, that Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go, and so he ran. And then Jonah was on a ship running from God. He was cast off the ship, and then he was swallowed by a large fish. Um, We would say a whale, right? And then he was in that well for three days and three nights, which is also a picture of what Jesus was about to go and do. The death of three days and three nights, and then the resurrection. Matthew 12 says this, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is the sign of death. 
and also the sign of resurrection. And what Jesus is saying to the crowds is you don't need a sign. You need resurrection. Now, let's be understanding here. What are they really longing for with the sign? Alan, when he said, hey, can I fly? What, what, I was over there thinking, yeah, I want to see that, right? That would be awesome. Because when we see something that's supernatural, or we see something that we didn't originally believe, there's some hope there. There's some desire, like, wow, this is awakening something in me. I think what Jesus is pointing out is a sign is not enough. It's weak compared to resurrection. If you saw me rise from the dead, I mean, think of the 500 plus people that saw the resurrected Jesus versus those who saw him do a miracle. Those who saw him resurrected in his glory. That brings great hope. And Jesus is saying, this is where you can put your faith, is in the resurrection. But how does he tell them to get to this hope? What is, what is the command here? Again, verse 32 says, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is saying very clearly here that the way to get to the resurrection, to have hope in the resurrection, is through repentance. They're repenting of the evil, the generational evil of wanting a sign and saying, I'm going to move here toward trusting Jesus and the power of his resurrection. But, let's be honest, when someone tells us to repent, that doesn't give us the warm, fuzzy chill bumps, right? But the, I hope you'll see that what repentance is calling us to is life, is something better. To not trust in our ability to contemplate this but to trust in Jesus and to say, I give up. (laughs) I'm not going to pursue my way. I'm going to submit and trust your way. Because repentance leads to real life. This illustration Jesus gives here of Jonah is is people repenting because of the preaching of the word. Jonah's heart was wrong. He didn't want to be there. In fact, you all know the story. He gets mad at God. He didn't want this to happen. But the city of Nineveh repented. And they were led to life. To resurrection. Peter preaches this same message in Acts 3. As he's preaching to the people about what real repentance is. And he says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's where repentance leads us. To refreshment. 
to life. Instead of carrying around this adulterous generation and these adulterous things, to purity and peace in our hearts. I don't know how many of you have read the book Pilgrim's Progress or maybe seen a play or movie or something about it, but my favorite scene uh, in the book is when Christian uh, drops off the backpack of sin. And he's been carrying this burden with him. And he finally makes it up the hill and he sees the cross. And he lets go. He stops carrying his sin with him. And then he's free. (laughs) Y'all, repenting of our sins, repenting of these things that we're demanding of God, and finally saying, your way, whatever you want, brings life and refreshment and freedom. Jesus is preaching to them that their hope is not in a sign but their hope is in a resurrected Savior. That is our hope this morning. And whatever our sin is that we're carrying, whatever that backpack is that is hard for us to let go of, look to Jesus. Look to the resurrection. And that's why we release it. Not to say, hey, I repented, so you better do this. No. Let him and and the resurrection and his power lead you to true repentance. Whatever the sin is, whatever the attitude is, whatever sin has come out of your mouth this week, whatever sin has been in your heart, look to the resurrection and let go of the sin and turn to Christ that times of refreshment may come for your soul. To first of all, see that Jesus here is the resurrection. Secondly, notice here that Jesus is true wisdom. Look at verse 31 with me. Jesus is making again reference here to an Old Testament um, passage. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment. Now, if we go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 9, we know that this is the queen of Sheba. And the Queen of Sheba is coming to see Solomon. Uh, Second, Chronicle, Second Chronicles chapter 9 says this, Now when the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. And so this is the queen. She's queen over Egypt and Ethiopia. She comes up. They refer to her as the Queen of the South because she was south of Israel and Jerusalem. She brings her entourage, all her stuff, her people, because she had heard about how wise Solomon was. So she, together with all her people, come, and her intent here was to ask our questions or to see, is this really true, or is it just some myth, some legend about this guy who lives in Jerusalem that's supposed to be so wise? And then Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 5 says this, And the queen of Sheba said to the king, and this is Solomon, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, half the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. You surpass the report that I heard. What is the Queen of Sheba saying? 
Solomon, you're so much wiser than I thought you were. You're so much greater than I anticipated. And then, of course, what is Jesus saying? I'm greater than Solomon. He had exceeded their expectations. And even with this powerful queen, she comes and she submits her own wisdom. I mean, think of the humility it took for her to say that. You're way wiser than me. You're way smarter. You're, you're, you're more than I thought you were. And again, what Jesus is saying to the crowds is, I'm greater than that. Jesus' wisdom is the greatest wisdom of all. Jesus was saying to them, she came looking for a sign. She came looking to, to ask hard questions. And what did she declare? Wisdom. She learned. She better understood. She didn't miss it anymore. Everybody else missed it. But the Queen of Sheba traveled a long way, spent a lot of money to get wisdom, to find out truly what was of most importance. And again, Jesus is saying, I'm wiser than that. So don't miss this. Jesus is declaring current wisdom to them. Saying, if you know me, you know truth, and you can be wise now. But he keeps referring here to also final judgment. The final judgment of Nineveh. The final judgment of the Queen of Sheba. And he says this, you need wisdom for the final judgment. Because if I show you a sign, that's not going to do it. If I tell you something, say, that's not going to do it. Here's what you need for final judgment. You need me. Because all of us here this morning will face judgment. We will all pass from this world. And we will stand before God. And he will ask us, why should I let you into heaven? What does wisdom tell us? Worldly wisdom, evil wisdom. Because I had a lot of money, because I was smart, because I was a good person. It doesn't work. Here's godly Jesus wisdom. Why should I let you into heaven, my daughter, my son? You should not. But I put my faith in Jesus, the perfect one. The one who lived the perfect life, died the death for me, and is risen and risen indeed. That's my only hope in this life and the next. Y'all, that's wisdom. And you may be sitting there saying, well, I know that. But do you? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a sign from God? Are you looking for God to give you the, the ways to get rich? Or are you looking for Jesus? Don't miss Jesus. Don't think it's under you. Don't think you already got that a long time ago. Keep pressing into him. 
Because you know how powerful the resurrection is? Do you know how powerful his wisdom is? Do you know how amazing he is? We'll never press in enough. And the more we do press in and repent and submit ourselves to him, the more life we have, the more resurrection we have, the more we're able to really see the beauty of Jesus and his light. And this is the last point here, is verse 33, as Jesus is pointing this out. So he, he kind of transitions here. He says, resurrection, wisdom, and light. Verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar under a basket, but on a stand so that those who, may, who enter may see the light. Okay, what is he saying about the light? Don't cover it up. If you have this resurrection, if you have this wisdom, share it. Show it. And he's using the illustration of a house. If you had this great light and it was the only light in your house, what are you going to do with it? Take it down to the basement? Of course not. You're going to let it shine. Matthew says this as, as he is, is communicating the same thing that we should let our light shine before men, that we may glorify God, glorify your Father in heaven. Again, he's saying don't cover this up. Let it shine. Go and show other people. I hope you see this in your life. And Jesus gives a warning here as well. He gives the warning about the lamp. To say you've got a light and that light needs to shine, but also your eye, you need to be able to see and see the truth. Now, this little illustration can be confusing if you don't understand that Jesus is talking about the eye is connected with the soul. So he says, through your eye, you see truth. You also can see through your eye darkness. The question is, which one is true? Is it? the truth of God? Or are you seeing darkness? Are you seeing something that's not true? Are you believing lies? Jesus is declaring to them that it's very easy, again, to miss this. That you begin living your life for something else. You're letting your light shine, but it's not for God. You're letting your light shine about something else. What are you selling to people? What are you talking about? What are you declaring? What do you get excited about? Jesus is saying here, go back and check. Because again, we know the pull. Proverbs 16 says this, which makes us think a right way when that way is a way to death. Isaiah 5 says, and makes us call good evil and evil good, darkness for light and light for darkness. Let me be clear about this. There are really intelligent people who completely miss Jesus. Really nice people who are selling us something completely different. They're not talking about Jesus. And Jesus is real clear here. I'm the light of the world. 
put me up in your life. Put me in the highest place so that people can see the resurrection, the life, the wisdom, even the light of men. So for us this morning, how can we shine Jesus to people around us? It can be very simple to literally just pray for and talk to someone who does not know Jesus. And if you're thinking, boy, that sounds hard for me. I just don't have the courage. I don't know. Start praying for them. Pray for someone that you know who doesn't believe in Jesus and is missing Jesus. (laughs) And see what God can do. Some of you know the person. You have been praying for them. Talk to them. It's not easy. Sometimes it can be challenging. But at the final judgment, what do we want? Jesus continues to push us there and say, what do you want in the final judgment? To declare your own wisdom? No. To say the light and the darkness saved me and also saved my friend. And also saved my child. Let us let our light shine before men that they may glorify our Father in heaven. And Jesus is pointing this out so clearly here in this passage. We don't have to miss Jesus. We can get him. We can enjoy him. It does come through death and resurrection. Just as we celebrate here, and we will celebrate soon, Good Friday, that leads us to Easter Sunday. There's difficulty. There's challenges. But the resurrection and the life is worth it. So let's enjoy this resurrection. Let's repent of our sins. Let's humble ourselves before the wisdom of Jesus, and let's shine our lights high and often so that we can see the glory of Christ in our church and all around the world. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we do thank you that um, your glory shines, that you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. We thank you this morning that we can come and sing to you and pray to you. I pray for those this morning who are not yet believers in Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray for those of us who are, Lord, that you would lead us to greater repentance and that we would shine you before people. Thank you, Father, for your word. I pray that it would sink deep into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.